Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast is a Christ-centered podcast established in 2019 and hosted weekly by Pastor Chris Busher. Addressing a host of topics such as the Great Commission, Christian discipleship, and often featuring interviews with special guests who are experts in their field. The views and events expressed on this podcast and all related materials belong solely to their author and not necessarily to the author's employer, organization, committee, or other group or individual. While all attempts are made to present accurate information, some information may become outdated over time. Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast makes every attempt to timely update any and all such information. Without further delay, here's another powerful episode of Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast. Once again, I am your host, Dallas Montague. Here in the studio today, we have another amazing guest, Alan C. Mastin. And Alan is calling today from Phoenix, Arizona. My wife and I have been talking about this book, a little bit today, rekindle the rallying of a generation back to God. And some of the things in this book is talking about the ecclesia, it's talking about coming back to the bridegroom, being prepared for that, rallying everybody together. And this book, I'm really excited about talking with Alan about this because it sounds like like exactly things that I preach, things that I want other people to hear as well. So I'm glad someone wrote a book about it. (laughs) So Alan, thank you so much for being here today. How are you? Thank you, Dallas. Thank you so much for having me. I am outstanding. Sun is shining. The birds are singing. I don't have COVID. I'm great. (laughs) Hey, (laughs) that's amazing. And Alan, real quick, I want to ask you, what is this word ecclesia? The the ecclesia is a Greek word, and really it just means, it really just means the called out ones. Uh, And it really applies to any specific group that would be called out of their homes, called away from, or called to be separate or apart from. So you could even call, when they would do a call to the Roman army, you could call those people who are called out an ecclesia. Um, So for those of us who are in the faith, who are saved by faith in Christ Jesus, we are the ecclesia. But I think it goes deeper than that. I think there's an ecclesia of the church in general, but then there's also among the church, those who are called out specifically among the church, I believe, uh, who are who are those who are, are tired of the way things are, have seen who have been saved for generations or for for years and years, and have seen the same things taught and seen seen the shortcomings and seen all the issues, and say, you know, there's got to be a better way. There's got to be more to what to this faith that we follow. So when I talk about the ecclesia, I'm talking about yes, the church in general, but also as Christ said. Those who have ears to hear, let them hear. I think that would be a great name for a church. <laughs> the, the Ecclesia. If, if I was going to start a church, that's, that's what I would call it. I'd probably learn how to pronounce it right, but that's what I would call it. We don't worry about pronunciation. It's kind of it's <laughs> In the Greek, right. it's so it, difficult. It is. <laughs> it is learning and actually pronouncing it properly. So I see here, it says, wake up, Ecclesia. Come together. Do what yes. you are called to do. Wake up. <laughs> We've been, uh, one of my favorite writers, C.S. Lewis, he wrote um, his last book in the um, Narnia series called The Last Battle. And there's a scene in the book where there's this giant and the giant is asleep. And it's been sleeping for centuries, just asleep. And that's a big part of what I think is wake up. Come on. The, the call has gone out. The trumpet has been blown. It's being blown. If 
if we don't see anything else from two years of situations that have happened with COVID all over the world and different things that have happened, we have to wake up. Ding dong. Here's the bell. Ding dong. <laughs> it's time to get your stuff together. Here, it's like when when they went through the Jesus gave the parable of the five wise and the five foolish virgins. No and way. Come the on. The call went out. The bridegroom is coming. Mm-hmm. The bridegroom is coming. You had time to prepare your oil. Mm-hmm. You've had time. But now that the time is here, there, there's no time left. There's just, I don't know when he's coming, but our master is coming. Every time I'm in prayer, brother, I, I, you know, I get up and I go to, and I do prayer in the mornings um, at the church and everything. And the spirit just begins to bubble out of me. There's no time left. Our brother, Paul, the apostle, he preached like Jesus was coming tomorrow. <laughs> like, I don't know when he's coming, but it might be tomorrow. I almost preached that message about the, the five foolish virgins and the five wise on Sunday. I almost did it, mm. but I didn't. And when you said that, I was like, man, mm. I feel it. I feel it. Why didn't I preach that? But it's so good. I was looking at it this week, and I think you're exactly right. This is the same message that's on my heart, Alan. And so I'm really excited to talk with you about it and for our listeners to hear in on what mm-hmm. we're going to talk about. Because if you're not excited about what we've talked about so far in the first five minutes, pay attention because it's going to be amazing. I'm confident in that. You're listening to the Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast. We'll be right back after this quick word from our sponsors. The Father Model by Nario Kutani is the work of an authentic epiphany that clearly introduces and explains the notion, privilege, and fatherhood responsibilities. It is an instruction manual for those seeking to be model parents and a valuable reference for their children. In this inspiring and waking work, Kutani presents 11 essential responsibilities of a model father and how to educate children the right way based upon biblical principles and examples from everyday life. Find your copy on Amazon today. Are you tired of wishing and hoping for the miracles that the Bible promises you? Are you looking for answers that will help you discover and unlock the power of God in your life? Miracles Now is a powerful and practical guide to help us walk the path of the normal Christian life in light of the Holy Scriptures. Find your copy of Miracles Now on Barnes & Noble today. And Alan, before we talk about your book a little bit more, can I have you share a little bit about your personal testimony? Yeah, sure, totally. Absolutely. Um, I'll try to condense it. <laughs> I was saved when I was about eight years old, and I remember when the Lord called me. I was in, a, I was in foster care, actually, wow. and um, uh, I was in bed. And I was just crying out to the Lord. I was crying because I was like I was like eight years old. And I was like, I miss my mom. And it was like the Lord just came in the room and was like, hey, how you doing? You want to accept me? <laughs> um, wow. And then from there, it's just been this journey. Um, I received the Holy infilling of the Holy Spirit when I was 12 years old. And um, I always remembered I always wanted to just serve the Lord. And I remember a prayer I used to pray when I was like 13. I said, Lord, if everybody can just love you, then everything will be okay. You know? Um and I, uh, I started going to, I went to seminary when I was 15, started seminary when I was 15, and I began youth pastoring 
um, at the age of uh, 26, 25, 26. And I did that for a couple of years. And like many of us, I took a fall and I made a really stupid mistake. Um, I wound up having an intimate relationship with my, my assistant at the time. And I was, I was young and stupid. Didn't know. I didn't really realize how to, how to balance what the things that I knew because I had steeped myself in the scriptures. One of my mother's favorite passages was study to show yourself approved unto God. So I had steeped myself in the text, but I hadn't yet matured uh, in the faith. Not really. So I, I, you know, I took a fall and um, I went into the wilderness, went to the wilderness. And it was there that I really started to learn with the father in what I call the backside of the desert, um, who he was and, and the, the, the scriptures stopped being, they stopped being just information and they came alive to me. They wound up coming alive to me that, this, the scripture talks about it being the living, breathing word, that the word is alive with revelation. And I, I finally got to a place where I bowed before the Father. I got to a place where I finally bowed before him. And I, I remember I was, I was sick. Um, my, uh, I'm just going to be honest. I'm going to shoot straight. Okay? Um, I was living a promiscuous lifestyle, and I wound up catching, catching herpes. And uh, the young lady had an abortion. It was a lot of craziness going on. And I was in bed. And at this time, I had spent maybe two months just on my face before the Lord. And I was locked in a room with me, a Bible, and a laptop. And that's it. Hmm. And for two months straight. And it was October 16th of 2016. And I locked up. My whole body locked up, and I felt this tingling all over my body. And I heard the Spirit of the Lord say to me, hold still, I'm healing you. Because for the first time, you're completely surrendered. Hmm. You're completely yielded. For the first time, there's nothing else that matters to you but me. So I'm going to heal you. And then he said, show yourself to a doctor. So I went to the doctor. Three doctors. <laughs> And they said, uh, you don't have anything. I'm like, how do I not have anything? You guys can't cure this stuff. Said, well, you don't have it. Wow. So from there, uh, I wound up meeting my wife. I call her Princess Jasmine. Um, and uh, the first thing I had to tell her <laughs> was, by the way, <laughs> uh, you know, come on. So I was, uh, I had, you know, in this incurable virus. And now I don't have it anymore. And God says, you're my wife. <laughs> wow. How does that conversation go down? You know, it was interesting because she, um, she said to me, well, if it's the Lord, then he'll confirm it. <laughs> Needless to say, we're married now. And, um, you know, it's, uh, it's just interesting to go from that place. And, and see that when the Lord says it's time, that he'll deliver you, he'll heal you, and he'll use everything. Um, before my wife and I connected, I was, and before I had 
you know, locked myself away uh, for those two months, I was I was on a bed of suicide. I mean, stuff stuff got really bad. I'm I'm skipping around, but um, and I I walked out of the hospital, and this man called me from Paris, and he said, God gave me your number in a dream, and he told me to call you. Hmm. And uh, it's a wonderful man of God. His name is John Maurice. Um, and so he's become kind of a, a father, spiritual father to me in the faith. And, and then, um, I went to my wife's church and her pastor has become kind of a, you know, kind of a father figure in the faith and, and an elder and a mentor in the faith. And since then, since October 16th of 2016, the Lord has taken me to Paris, Belgium, Colombia. Uh, Kenya, and all over the, the, the United States, preaching the gospel, preaching about this yielding, preaching about this being drawn back to him, preaching these things that I would say are secrets, but they're not really secrets. They're right there in the text if we would just take the time to delve into them. And so uh, the book that we're, we're talking about today, he, he planted the seed for it in my 15. Um, and he had said to me, he said, am I your heart's desire? Am I your deepest delight? If you spend the rest of your life living in the backseat of a car with nothing else, am I enough for you? But then again, if you get everything you ever want out of life, you live in the best, drive the best, eat the best, sleep in the best, have the most beautiful wife and a beautiful family, am I still enough for you? It's a deep question. It's a deep question. And in contrast, in hindsight, seeing that he said to me, I'm finally, two years later, I'm finally all that matters to you. So I'm going to heal you. Hmm. Because when he asked me, I couldn't answer it. When he asked me, I was like, uh, I don't know. Because I didn't want to preach anymore. I was like, I'm not preaching. I'm not doing that. I'm an actor now. And I was having a lot of success as an actor and an entertainer. Uh, you know, I've done, you know, almost 75 different feature films and commercials and plays. And I was going to make it. And then he just smacked me upside my head and said, no, 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 no. Remember that contract you signed when you were eight years old? You belonged to me. <laughs> You're going to do what I want you to do. Wow. It's almost like he said, no, you're going to live for an audience of one. No. Yes. And that's when we, when we look at, at the, the word ministry, the idea that that's, that's applied to it is this servitude, is this service and this, this ministering unto him, this performing and working uh, for him. The scripture talks about the angels watching what we do. Uh, in order to get this understanding of the plan and the glory of God. And the way it's presented is, it's like you're being on stage. I think Paul talks about that in 1 Corinthians. It's like we're on stage performing, but the only, here's Christ. I'm who you're working for. And I was so, I was so far away from his heart. The fire had grown cold within me because I had neglected the faith. I had neglected this beautiful gift, this treasure that I had been given for any number of reasons. We all have our own separate reasons, but personally, I had neglected it. You know, I took a fall and instead of 
And it's funny, while I was in the wilderness, he was still talking, still leading, still guiding. While I was like, I'm going to do what I want to do. Uh, you think you're doing what you want to do, but really, you're doing what I want you to do. You just don't realize it yet, because all things work together for the good of those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. So, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> I love it, I love it, I love it. Oh, I love my Lord Jesus. <laughs> In that point, ah, you said that your heart was was cold. You know, and I think that takes us back mm-hmm. to the title, Rekindling. And I was mentioning to you before the podcast that my wife is Brazilian. She speaks amazing English. She's an English teacher here as well. But she's never heard this word rekindle before. And I got to explain to her the picture behind mm-hmm. what rekindling means. And it's such a rich yeah, word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When I start to explain, because when I just heard the title of your book, I was like, yeah, rekindling, that's awesome. That's a creative title. But then when I get, began to explain what it actually means, it really it changed something in my mind about this, you know. I hope that mm-hmm. makes sense for our listeners mm-hmm. because really it's so necessary for us to rekindle that fire in our heart. And if our heart is cold, yes. what does the scripture say? That if you are you are lukewarm, I will spit you out of my mouth. We need to out of my, to come yeah. back to that verse where it says, "Man, I don't want to be spit out of your mouth. I don't want to go there like the wise, like the the foolish virgins." And him say, "I never knew you. I don't want that in my life." Yeah. You know, I don't want that for my yeah, family. Can you imagine that? Yeah. Horrible. To say, I never, I never knew you. You were never really in love with me. That's one of the biggest things when I preach is that I want to bring that to people. Like, no, not religion. Because in Brazil, maybe in Colombia as well, you saw, but it's a lot of religion here because the basis is Catholicism. Yeah. And so they're, they're good on tradition. They're great on coming to church and giving their tithe and following the rules but is it just Christianity right. leaving at the door? You know, does that leave at the door, or do we take it with us and pursue Jesus Christ for who He is? And man, I love yeah. your title. I love this. And so, we heard a little bit about your testimony and how that kind of played into this book. So, you say here that this is a book for the bride of Christ. Can you explain a little bit about what that means mm-hmm. to our audience? We are, and the, the way He paints it, the way the Scriptures paint the picture. We are married to him. And you're married. I'm married. We, we understand this passion and this love we have for our brides. And we also understand as husbands, sometimes, you know, you can, that passion can kind of wane cold. It can, you can get so busy with life and other things that you forget, you know, we haven't gone out on a date in a little while, have we? When was the last time we just, it was just us. Wait, wait a minute. What's going on here? It's designed to firstly present to us this idea of who our God is. And this is how, this is how he wrote it through me. Um, to present to this bride, this is who you're married to. Just in case you forgot, this is the awesome God that you are married to. He's not dead. He's alive. He hasn't gone anywhere. The relationship is still burning. The only problem is you've turned yourself away from his heart. You know, uh, I grew up in a Word of Faith church, and I'm not knocking Word of Faith. I believe in speaking what the Word says. I believe in speaking faith. Um, but, for instance, in that camp, so to speak, the idea became very, God's here to pay your bills, and God's here to, mm-hmm. you know, heal your body, and God's here to give you all the money and give you all the success in the world. And while that's true, I, I agree with that in some ways, we got away from the heart of the Father, which is, let me preach this gospel. That the Father's desire is that none should perish. The first thing is souls. That's the first thing. That's why the power is there. That's why the word is there. That's why the spirit is there. Souls, souls, 
souls and more souls, that the harvest is ripe for the plucking, that the reason he establishes you with wealth is so he can establish his covenant. That's it. That's the only reason. That's all that matters. All the rest of it's going to burn up. Come on. Come on. That's amazing. And so to consider of our... I just, I literally preached that. I preached that on Sunday. Mm. Praise God. Consider of ourselves what, not only to be rekindled, but what Mm. kindling are we using? Paul talks about the, uh, what, what we're built on and, and we, and the, you know, the wood and the stubble and the hay are burned away in this fire of the spirit. Our master said, he said that, uh, there is, um, praise the Lord. He talks about when we are consumed, this fire that we get consumed with, uh, that there will only be certain things left over. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You'll be tried as fire. Yep. Purified exactly. by this fire. And only, what does it say? Only one person said, only what we work for Christ will last. Only those things that we do for Christ will last. That's it. Mm-hmm. And just for Everything our audience, else, you're speaking out of 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Everything else is going to be burned up. Mm-hmm. So good. So Everything good. else is going to be consumed. So not only do we need to be, does the bride need to grow back in love with her husband? And the way we fall back in love is we go back to those things that we did before. We go back to those secret places. We go back to all those things that we used to do. You know, you, I, I used to pray all the time. I used to spend ample time in the word. I used to just sit and wait on God. That's something I said. I was just talking to a friend of mine today. I was telling her about how this morning the Lord woke me up and just said, do communion, take communion, and then just wait on me. Well, do you want me to worship? I said, just wait. What do you want me to do? Just wait. Hmm. Just wait upon me. Fall in love with just waiting on me again. And you and I know, you know, sometimes, you know, Dallas, you might be waiting on your wife to get ready. And she might be taking a little longer than you want her to take. But when she comes out, it's all worth it, mm. you know. Mm. When she comes out, it's it's worth it. It's good. You're like, wow. And learning to wait on the Father is this. I think there's such an importance to it, you know. I think there's such a a beauty to it, and that's one of the ways that we wind up getting rekindled to His heart. You see what I'm saying? Let's one mm. we draw ourselves back to Him. We get reconnected to Him. And in that reconnecting, we fall back in love with him. Mm. Another thing that you're saying here is to rekindle the generations. And what is a way that we can rekindle the generations? What does that really mean? Every generation, I believe, it has a responsibility to the generation before it. Uh, I think it was Abraham Lincoln who said the philosophy of the schoolroom in one generation will be the philosophy of the government in the next. So if we apply that to the church, right? The philosophy of the church in one generation will be the philosophy of the church in the next generation. If one generation sees that, well, pastor doesn't read the Bible, or my parents don't read it, my parents don't pray, and they've got this great relationship, and they, they have what I consider a relationship with God, then I can. We have a generation now, uh, I'm 39, I'm, I'm what you would call an elder millennial, but in the last 20 years, 
I have seen the church turn, take turns for the worst, accepting things that are clearly sin, mm -hmm. accepting things that are clearly not righteous, accepting things that are clearly not God, going after money, going after uh, vile sexual relationships. In the last few months, we've had two pastors from a major church be called out on sexual promiscuity and on sending perverted pictures. We've had pastors who are like, yeah, it's perfectly okay if you do this, that, and the other. It's fine if you have these uh, 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 inappropriate relationships. and it's, it's okay. It's fine. And so this generation has been raised far away from God. Further and further away. And so to call them out, we talk about the shofar being blown and the trumpet being raised high, and to call out to them, this is a call that's going out from the Father's heart saying, come back, come back home, come back to me so that I can, I can instill you, so that I can mold you and shape you and prepare you to go out again. When you're out fighting for a long time, you wind up... There's this attitude, my mother used to call it a lackadaisical attitude that, that, that people get. You get late, and say, like, well, he ain't coming. But this is what Jesus said would happen, right? He said, if, if the servant gets lazy and starts saying, oh, my master is coming, then they'll start acting silly. They'll start beating their fellow servants, and they'll start not serving properly and, and just acting like nothing's happening. The thing that, one thing that breaks my heart is to think, that we might lose a generation to the world, lose a generation to sin, lose a generation to, 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 to and they'll, they'll never really learn him. They'll never really see the beauty of Christ. They'll never, as the scripture says, know him in the beauty of his holiness and the power of his resurrection because somebody who came before dropped the ball. So it means calling out to them and saying, come in, sit down, learn. As, as David, as Solomon said that David said to him, he said, my son, sit before me, sit at my feet and learn of me. Learn how to seek after God. Learn his laws. To love his word so much. To love him so much. Everything else can go. I don't care about anything else. Let it all burn down. I don't care. Give me Jesus. Give me the Christ. That's the heart that he's looking after. He says, if anything else is more important, then you're not worthy of me. If you put your hand to the plow and you turn back, then you're not worthy of me. I, well, we've, we've got people, you know, especially with social media now, and it's so easier than ever to be famous and popular. It's easy to go online and say, oh, I just fasted for, for 25 days. But isn't that just like Jesus said? He said, don't be like the Pharisees and Sadducees. Who, who change their faces and dress a certain way in order for you to know that they're fasting. No, 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 no. Don't tell anybody anything because if you're really fasting, oh, trust me, in a few days, people are going to know that you've been fasting because you're going to look like you've been fasting. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> but I don't want anything else. We talked about my acting career and how I had to say, Lord, I put this on the altar. I'll give it all up. If it just means I can obtain you this precious jewel that the merchant sells everything to buy. Everything. That he's worth it. But if we don't teach them that he's worth it, they won't 
think he's worth it. They'll think that he's just another sage or holy man on the same level as, as Buddha or, 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 or Krishna or Muhammad, that he's just the same, that he's one of their brothers, that he's an avatar. He's not. He is our Lord Jesus Christ himself, and he is worthy of all glory, all honor, all praise. But if we don't show them that, if we don't rekindle our, get ourselves rekindled, we can't set them on fire. When I was a teenager, there was a, a, an event called Acquire the Fire. I don't know how old you are, but hmm. there was this thing called Acquire the Fire. And it was all young people, conferences all over the world, and young people would just come, and the, the, the fire of God would fall, and, and people were getting saved, and filled with all, and it was just this huge movement. And then all of a sudden, right around 2000, it just kind of fizzled out. What happened? What happened? That's what, that's what I mean, drawing this generation back. Sorry, I know I'll get excited. Sorry. No, I Sorry. like it. It's, it's good. We need some of that. Another thing I see here, it says that your book is for the mature, the young, or the backslidden. And I think that's a good point because, like you said, in your walk, in your testimony, you were backslidden. In my personal walk, I have, I have backslidden. Young people, mature people, doesn't matter how long you've been in the faith. It doesn't matter how long you've been going to church. This message is still for you. It's still for you. We still need to rekindle that fire. And another thing I like to preach is that it's similar to the anointing that the virgins had in that parable you were, sh- you were sharing. But we can't have old wine and new wineskins. We can't. We need to get a new anointing every single day. I can't rely on yesterday's word to fill me today. I need a new one every day. And so it doesn't matter how long you've been in the church, how long you've been following Jesus, you need a new word today. We need to rekindle that flame every day. Every single day. (laughs) So amazing. I'm I'm blessed. I'm filled up. I'm so happy about our conversation today. Yeah, what else, Alan? Go ahead. I was saying there were times where where the Lord, where they would say, he was just, we don't know where he was. He was just gone. He left. He separated himself apart and went up into the wilderness to pray. What are you doing? Seeking after the Father. Did you not know I wouldn't be I would be about my father's business? We've been locked down for a year. Some of you are just telling me how you guys were like well, you're just getting over your second lockdown. What am I doing in this lockdown? Am I binge watching Netflix or am I binging the word of God? Great questions for our audience to reflect on today. My last question for you today, Alan, is what is something, what's something practical that our audience can do today to prepare for the bridegroom? First thing any of us needs to do is to ask the Lord, what would you have me do? I think that's the first thing. What would you have me do? Because for each of us, it's different. Like for me, it might be, you know, I just want you to sit and wait on me. For you, it might be, you know, I just want you to read the book of Matthew two or three times. For someone else, it might be, you know, I want you to go walk around your neighborhood and pray. So I think that's the first step is to ask, what would you have, what do you have me do, Father? Because like any father, he approaches each of us differently and each of us has a different assignment. And to be genuine about that in your heart and to write it down. Because he'll answer. A lot of times we think he won't answer, but I think we just, we forget the questions we ask. So to write
write that down. Father, what would you have me do today so that I can draw closer to you? Now, there are things that we each know that we need to do. Uh, you know, absolutely. But specifically for each and every one of us, Father, what would you have me do? I want to, I want to draw close. I want to be closer. So what would you have me do? I want this fire to burn in me again, the same fire that I had when I was first saved, or the same fire I had maybe six months or a year ago, whatever it may have been. I want it back. I can't breathe. You are my source of life. I can't breathe without you. What would you have me do? And I guarantee it, he'll answer. Guarantee he'll answer. I think that's, that's the first thing. The second thing is to do the practical things that we already know. To, as, as I talk about in the book, return to the word. Um, the, uh, the Church of Scotland in 1600s and something. Uh, it's, I, I put it in the book, but they said of themselves, they said, we focus more on the words of men than the word of God. Mm-hmm. We care more about what men think. And this, when I found this information, I was like, it's 400 years ago. Still? So it's something every generation has to deal with. Staying connected to the word. Returning to the word. Because Jesus said, if my word abides in you, then I and my father will come take up residence in you. It's like preparing a place. He goes to prepare a place for us. We should, wow, I'm, wow, I just got that. He is going to prepare a place for us. It's our duty to prepare a place for him inside of ourselves. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Feasting on the word. You know, like your wife maybe likes the house a certain way. Maybe she's gone and you know she likes it a certain way or she's uncomfortable. It's your job then to make sure that Okay, I do what I need to do mm-hmm. to make sure that house is a certain way. <laughs> Praise mm-hmm. God. I like your first point talking about it brings me back to that song that says Take Me Back. Take me back. Have you heard that before? Yeah. yeah. I don't remember the rest of the lyric right now, but yeah, take me back to my first love. You know, when I was walking I I wish I remembered the words, but it's so fresh and it's so good just to take me back to that when it was so simple. The simple gospel, I think, is what the song's called. The simple gospel. Yeah. Because it is so simple. Mm-hmm. It's it's so simple, a child could understand it. It's very, but he says we have to be like children to approach him. That I, I'm not trying to impress you because I can't impress you. You know? <laughs> Just, I want to fall in love with you again. That hopeless love. That completely hopeless whatever love. Mm. Just give me Jesus love. I, I wrote, wrote a poem, um, and when I was writing the poem, um, the Lord said uh, in the poem, he said, you cannot share a bed with the world and a throne with the king. He offers us, he's offering us a throne. He says, to those who overcome, I offer to sit with me on my throne as my father offered me to sit with him on his. So to ask, and to ask what needs to go. What needs to go so that I can be positioned in the right place so that your love can flow through me? Because nothing can separate us from his love. But the way we carry ourselves, the way we act, the way we live, that can stop his love from flowing to others 
Incredible. Amazing. Well, Alan, thank you so much for your time today. I'm filled up, like I said. Alan, before we end this podcast today, where can we find this book? Well, the book is on, right now it's on Amazon. So if you just look up uh, the title of the book, Rekindle, The Rallying of a Generation Back to God, or if you go to Amazon, you look up my name, um, Alan C. Mastin, it'll pop right up. Um, I know it's on some other platforms. Uh, the audio book is about to be released onto Audible. Um, right now, uh, I'm just giving away audio book copies because that's just me. <laughs> I just like giving things away. <laughs> <laughs> don't tell my wife she'll kill me. <laughs> don't give things away. <laughs> but it's not it's mine, but it's not mine. Jesus is take it. <laughs> take it. Be changed. Be made new. Um so that the before once the audiobook is released in a in, in a week I won't be able to give away free copies. But um right now, uh I'll say if anybody wants a copy they can always email me, um, reach out. Free copy of the audiobook, um, uh, at gmail.com. Um, yeah, otherwise, the hard copy of the book is available, uh, hard copy or on Kindle on Amazon Prime or on Amazon. You guys can also look at the link below. I'm going to put that link of the book in the description. Check that out. And Alan, thank you again for your time. If you can pray us out, I would Absolutely. really appreciate it. Father, we glorify you. You are the lover of our souls, our daddy, our papa our captain, our king. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for every connection that you make. I thank you for my brother. I thank you for his bride. I thank you for the work he does uh, in the missions field. Strengthen him, Lord. Let miracles, signs, and wonders be his portion. Let visions and dreams be his portion in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you that you are drawing us back to you. You are drawing us back to you for a great purpose for a great thing so that we can prepare to go out and seek and save that which is lost and draw unto you for you said the harvest is ripe, but the laborers are few let the laborers be on fire let the fire rage let it burn let it be all consuming oh god so that the those who look upon us will say these these are the servants of the living god what must we do to be saved. We thank you, Lord, and we bless your holy name, and we say glorify your name. The time has come for you to glorify your name in each of us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You've just listened to the Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast with your host, Pastor Chris Busher. Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast was recorded live in studio with final editing made before uploading. Subscribe today to Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast on iTunes or Google Play. For more fantastic daily content, visit Pastor Chris Busher online via Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. Don't miss the next episode on Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast.